your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We start things out by going right into your phone calls. Let's go to Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. Yeah, you know how come so many abortions are performed every year? Why? Because of cops. You know <laughs> how come? Uh, Wait, why? Wait, they have does... to spend so much of their money on gasoline every week. You know how come? Why? Why cops do? Because you know how come people have to spend oh. so much of our earning, hard-earned dollars every week buying gasoline is because of cops. Why? And and you get you get a lot of senior citizens who are having trouble. Uh, getting the bills paid with all that medical uh, cost, and they they can't afford the medications. Right. That, that, and it's because of cops. Hmm. You see? Now, okay, you got to back, back all up. that up, man. Okay, well, let's say you're uh, some uh, high school cheerleader it just graduates, and like last month, like like a month ago, she was uh, the sweetheart of the, a quarterback on the football team, and now she's in a problem pregnancy, and he's long gone. She could probably earn enough money to rent a place to live and earn a living, but uh, people, uh, if somebody proposed to build apartments that are affordable in a suburb uh, out in a residential area, the zoning people would say, no, 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 you can't build apartments there. No, 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 you can't have a trailer park over there. And of course, it would be simple enough to just go ahead and build it anyway and throw away all these papers that the town keeps serving you. Mm-hmm. But then, but then what the cops next? will come out. The cops come and shut down the construction operation, you see? Yeah. And now, of course, that means people have to uh, buy a car to get around everywhere. This is deliberately designed because zoning restrictions are designed to keep people from living close to places where they can work or shop or gather to drink. It's to force people to drive everywhere, and that's how come uh, you got to buy a car and spend all this money on gasoline mm. is because zoning restrictions create distances that people have to travel to get to work and to shop. And, of course, it would be simple enough to just go ahead and start businesses close to residential areas or in your own home sure. and then throw away all these notices from the city about zoning restriction violations and all of that. But then cops come, you know. And yeah. then uh, then there's these people who are having trouble. Uh, you got people with mental illnesses who get prescribed a medication and they can't afford it. And so they don't take it, and then they flip out. They wind up in a mental hospital, and then they get their medication supplied by the state government. And then uh, until okay, now you're well. Now we can release you out into society again. But then they don't have their medication anymore. And the doctor could prescribe something that doesn't cost as much, that's ninety percent as good. But then the doctor would be uh, exposed to a liability lawsuit because. Uh, hold it, you prescribe something that's only 90% as good when there's something better that costs 10 times as much hmm. that the patient can't afford. And so that's malpractice. And, of course, the doctor could simply throw away the lawsuit and not not even bother showing up in court, but then yeah. the cops come. Hmm. See? So it's all because of cops. Very important. And the, hmm. big, the underlying 
problem to that is that good cop killers are hard to find these days. <laughs> oh, geez. Tom, thanks for the call tonight. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. You and I had a lunch with a former cop today, actually, Mark. Yeah, it was a very pleasurable lunch. I enjoyed my turkey sandwich. Fred Parcells here uh, in Keene, former uh, former detective and city councilor. It gives you hope, uh, you know, when, when, I t- when you talk to guys like that uh, for uh, police. And and that kind of thing. I mean, I read so many stories. I get jaded to what it, uh, what, you know, to, to cops in general. Right. And being, you know, sitting with with Fred and talking to him and and having him understand, having him accept the uh, law uh, law enforcement against prohibition uh, propaganda that we had. Uh, I, it, it gives me some hope. Yeah, yeah. It was. I thought it was a fairly successful lunch. Uh, we had a nice conversation. Probably sat down with him for about ninety minutes. I would say. Long time. And. Uh, the reason why he wanted to talk with me, and he invited you along as well, Mark. You've he had just likes with him me. In the past, I uh, wanted to talk with me because uh, he's been reading the NHFree.com forums, and he's upset with the way some people refer to the police uh, using terms like thugs, for instance. Yes. And I am guilty myself of using those terms. And the fact is, many of the cops around the country fit that mold. They fit the mold of of a thug. Uh, and and I so I tried to explain to him why we feel that way, why people like me feel that way about the police, because there are some violent, dangerous cops out there. They are doing awful, thuggish, terrible things to people. And then he pointed out that, well, that's not happening here in Keene, New Hampshire. And I said, okay, well, you're probably right about that. I can't that. point out enough uh, instances in Keene to be able to prove him wrong. Yeah, and I said, you're probably right about that from what I've seen here in Keene, New Hampshire. And, and, and we told Fred, we, we, we've said this on our radio show, that it seems that the cops here are much better behaved than they are around the rest of the, uh, the country. For instance, uh, my girlfriend, Julia, tells me that she, is, she was, down in Florida, just absolutely terrified of the police down there, but yet when she sees a keen cop car, it's no big deal to her. So I think that there is a difference, but that's not to say that the keen cops aren't out enforcing bad laws. And we talked with Fred about that, and you know that's that's what got us on the war on drugs conversation. And he was actually pretty friendly, I think, towards uh, towards possibly ending prohibition, uh, making some very positive comments in that way. And so what's really nice is that considering how radical some people might see us as. We had a really yeah yeah we we had a really sensible conversation with this guy and I mean considering we're kind of oh I don't know we're not in charge of the Free State Project though he seemed to think that we were yeah that was that was the funniest part of the whole meeting but but we <laughs> so are you guys are run run the Free State Project what I think one could <laughs> consider us a figurehead I mean we're certainly more of the noticed um, most noticeable we've entities. got loud voices because uh, we're broadcast right right so I mean it's good to know that. Even considering all of the rhetoric out there and the radicalism that we're still able to sit down and have a, a friendly conversation with someone who allegedly represents the interests of, of the government. I mean, he, he is a, a bureaucrat for the, the city of Keene still. That he is. He works for the housing authority. Uh, but he did point out that he agrees with a lot of what the Free State Project is trying to do. What I didn't ask him uh, about, what, and I should have, was really... What is that? What, what he does, agrees with? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you know, have lunch with him again. Yeah, it's always fun. 
so so yeah, I think that's good to know, and so hopefully he understands a little bit better where we're coming from. He thought a lot of the people that he saw, for instance, on the nh3.com forum, were all in New Hampshire, and that's not the case. There are most, I would say, probably most of the people there aren't in New Hampshire. I don't know. And so you've got to understand. If you, uh, you know, this is what I said to Fred, you've got to understand that the people there, they don't understand what the New Hampshire cops are like or the Keene cops are like. All they've ever experienced are the the tyrannical uh, thugs that, you know, inhabit New York City and other places like that. And he really admitted that, uh, you know, Keene cops uh, and, you know, town cops around New Hampshire aren't the same as uh, some of the larger town, larger cities in New Hampshire. Yeah, even in New Hampshire, he said that Keene was better than Manchester, for instance, which is what we've heard from all the activists uh, at this point. So so we've got, you know, even we have friendly relations with uh, with the opposition here, which as far as I'm concerned, Mark, is a great starting point. For the activism we're going to do, we talked with him about voluntary solutions. He said, well, you know, he started out the conversation before you arrived because you were a little bit late, Mark. He started out by, you know, asking me, well, what, you don't want protection? You don't want the police? I said, no, 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 don't get the wrong message. I think protection's in high demand. I think protection is something that people absolutely want and would be willing to pay for. It's just that I think that it should be provided on a voluntary basis in the marketplace where we can actually have competition, provi- you know, competitive business providing these things. He said, well, I don't think there's enough business out there to uh, to create competing agencies. And I said, well, you know, it doesn't really matter what you think. What matters is whether or not we can choose to be involved in it. Everybody needs protection. Everybody needs plumbing. There's more than one plumber in Keene. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It doesn't matter if they can visualize it or not. What matters is that we move in that direction, and I think that's the direction that's inevitable. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. By the way, those features include the bulletin board system. Get interactive with over 2,000 listeners, over 340,000 posts. It's all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Plus, in Chapter 5 of Freedom Engineering, an online anarcho-capitalist adventure series, Tad Galahad catches something in his spam can. Go to freedom-engineering.com. That's freedom-engineering.com to read more. All right, so we go to your phone calls. Bring up what you want. It's Marco in Germany. You're on Free Talk Live. Marco. Hello, Marco. Yeah, Going good with? evening. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, uh, yesterday you um, asked the listeners of your show to um, explain the philosophy of liberty in one sentence or in ten seconds or whatever. Yeah, we were talking right. about, uh, we had an email come in from a listener who was, I, I think, rightfully critiquing the way I pitch liberty in a, in a very quick, less than yeah. ten second format. Uh, and I thought his critiques were valid, and so I figured I'd throw out the question for our listeners to submit their answers to the question of, you know, what is liberty? Yeah. And one caller, uh, I think he had a definition, and it was something about, uh, you know, property. Or, and I don't think this uh, works with all people or with uh, some people, as you said. 
yesterday uh, they are the hippies and they don't like this concept of property and all this stuff mm -hmm. you know so maybe i have a sentence for you and the definition okay great maybe you do okay here it comes and um, i don't know if it's uh, grammatically correct or so please we'll work me on it okay good go ahead here, here it comes don't do anything to others you don't want that others do to you The golden rule. Um, yeah, that's it. It's good, but I think the, the fault with it is, what if you're a sadist? Uh, you know, I think this golden rule uh, should work with 99.9% of the people. And probably true. For this 0.01%, yeah, at last you have your gun, right? <laughs> There you go. Excellent, Marco. Appreciate the suggestion, and thank you for the call tonight. 1-800-259-9231. Should have asked him about gun laws in Germany. Not so great. No, probably not. Yeah. Does Eight. he, in fact, have his gun? <laughs> I don't know. 1-800-259-9231. We continue with your calls. We go to the amp line. It's Josh in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live, Josh. Hey, how you doing, guys? Hey, what's Excellent. on your mind? I uh, went to traffic court today, so I thought I'd call and... Let you all know how absolutely appalling it is oh, to sit please, there and please. realize. Absolutely appalling to realize that these guys are there to do nothing more than take your money. Yep, mm, it's a yep. little system set up to to do some fundraising for the local <laughs> municipality. That, that, that's absolutely all it is. I went over there today and with the intention of actually pleading not guilty and having a trial, and got to the point where I got to talk to the prosecutor. And we have a, a law here in Texas that they actually let you, um, normally you get to either pay the fine, and of course it goes on your license, or if you don't pay the fine, you get to go to court, and 99.9% they find you guilty, and you get to pay, and it goes on your license. Right. Or if you get if you get lucky, they somehow throw the case out because the officer didn't show or whatnot, and mm -hmm. you get saved by the bell. I don't know that it's ninety nine percent. I don't know that uh, necessarily it's ninety, even ninety percent um, of the time. Who knows? It's certainly their court, and they can do what they want. But um, I think a lot of times, they, traffic tickets do get thrown out. Go ahead. Well, here we have this little this little loophole that they set up to uh, get your money a little easier, called deferred adjudication, where basically you pay, and if you don't get another violation within like three months or so. Mm -hmm. They don't put it on your record. It's like a suspended sentence. Um, right, correct. Deal is no. With a, a suspended CDL sentence, license, you don't pay usually. Okay. Okay. In this case, you pay, but if you don't get another ticket, it doesn't go on your license. I see. Um, deal so is to give you, you a, a to give you a greater license. incentive to pay up front, then basically. That's correct. That's gotcha. correct. Um, for CDL drivers, however, if you have a commercial driver's license, that option is not available to you. Oh. So. So your options are either pay and have it on your license or go to trial. Well, today my intention was to go to trial. You might as well. And the the uh, exactly and the um it seems that the officer neglected to mark on my ticket that I have a CDL license. Ooh. Don't you know that the prosecutor just jumped to offer me deferred adjudication? Well, he wanted the money. Knowing, yep. full, no, knowing full well I have a CDL license really? that is against Texas law. Would that not invalidate the ticket? Law. I mean, him well, not. I asked that. 
I asked that, and basically what they can do is they can have the officer redo the ticket if they desire. Oh, of oh, course. Thank you. They okay. can put an amendment to the ticket and have it redone properly, which would put me in the exact same spot of going to trial. Gotcha. So here was their nice and easy way to get my cash and have me placated so it doesn't go on my record, yeah. which is basically what I'm after because I'm a CDL driver. I can't, I can't have this on my life. Right. So it was their nice and easy way to get my cash. She jumped. I have no problem with that. <laughs> that's what she said. Yeah, no so much for their rules, huh? Texas, that's correct. Their rules, it, it, as long as it gets them their money, they have no problem ignoring their own rules. Hmm. Which is example. what they did today. They absolutely ignored their own law to give me deferred adjudication so that they could get my cash. I can't say I, I can't even say how I feel about it. I mean, I, I hear the irony of it all, and I I hear I the was disgusted. It, it, I was disgusted with having to kick out. Yep. But on the turnaround, you know, I got to do what's best in my situation, which is you know inevitably keep it off my record. I feel sure. you, brother. Yeah. So that's what ended up happening today. Pretty disgusting. Well, yeah. it's a good story, Josh. I'm glad you called, Wooden. Thank you for sharing with us tonight. Thank you, sir. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I'm hoping that won't be the only. Uh, court-related call we get today. Sam uh, from Texas was also supposed to be in court today, and yes, I have I've not heard. I have not heard anything from him, so uh, hoping all went well with him. I did hear that Dave Ridley's protest went smoothly today. Uh, Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com was going to be out doing an illegal puppeteering event. That's right. It's actually against the law in New Hampshire to perform a puppet show without a government license. And that's what he decided to do today. He went out in front of the state house at, I guess it was around noon. And early reports uh, do say that he was unmolested by the police. So they, did he, now I'm sure most of the police don't even know these laws. Um, it, it happens all the time. The cops don't know laws. I talked to Fred Parcells today, mm-hmm. and uh, he didn't know a law that I happened to know that was um, the case here in New Hampshire. I wonder, did he, did he let the cops know that that was going to be happening? He announced it certainly to all the media, and I believe to all the relevant policing organizations for the area he was going okay. to be doing it in. So, yes. Uh, he made it very clear that he was intending to break that law in public. So he mentioned the law and then that he was going to be doing it? Uh, yes, I believe so. Good. So, uh, so he went unmolested, which is good news, I suppose. Although it also means that we're uh, very clearly in the they-are-ignoring-us phase of Gandhi's classic quote, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. I'm just hoping, Mark, that we can skip the fight you phase. Maybe we'll just go, they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then we win. It's just a quote. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, 1-800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. We'll talk about police uniforms in a moment. What do the colors mean anyway? Free Talk Live. It's time to pick a candidate, a serious candidate for president, and start moving forward. That candidate is George Phillies. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message, paid for by Phillies 2008. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And those features do include the Shrine of Female Listeners. Dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Just go to shrine.freetalklive.com. See what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. 
SACL CAI offers a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. Please do business with business to support Free Talk Live. 1-800-259-9231. We were talking earlier about our meeting we had today with a former New Hampshire cop, uh, Fred Parcells. Nice guy. Really nice guy. And he was concerned with how it is that so many liberty activists refer to the police uh, using terms like thug or thugs, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, understand. I understand his concern. He feels like that... In his line of work, he was doing something important. Doing good and, work. He was trying and, very hard to be fair and right. follow the rules and all that stuff. And so he felt like he was being maligned to some extent, and we had to, to, to tell him that there's a difference between the rest of the cops in America and the cops here in Keene, New Hampshire, and New Hampshire in general. There really is. Uh, that's not to say the cops in New Hampshire are all perfect, uh, they're still enforcing terrible laws, and they and still they still make their money through, um, you know, they, they, essentially they're stealing, um, they're uh, receiving stolen stolen property money, sure, because um, property taxes th- by which they are funded are it, it's theft. So I don't want to make it sound like I am filleting the uh, the Keene Police Department or anything like that. They've got a ways to go before I'll feel like. But credit should be given where credit is due. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to give an example of why. Just in case Fred's tuning in tonight or people like him are listening. Seems likely. Uh, I want to give an example of why it is that we get this mentality. Because it seems the police would like to instill those thoughts in our heads. From Infowars.net, recent news that police in Massachusetts are to switch to black military-style uniforms in an effort to appear more authoritative and aggressive highlights a more general move to militarize police in America and affect a post-9-11 psychology of fear. Last week, an AP report headlined, Massachusetts police get black uniforms to instill sense of fear, detailed the move. Sergeant John Delaney told a city council hearing Wednesday in Massachusetts that the Stark uniforms send a message to criminals that officers are serious about making arrests. Delaney said a sense of fear has been missing for the past few years. Hmm. See, they uh, there was a, I guess it was a gang unit, and I can pull up the AP article here, but essentially it was like a gang unit of some sort that... The predecessor, uh, the the sheriff's predecessor, had ditched black uniforms as an effort to soften the image of the unit. And now that this new guy's in, he's ready to crack down and crack some heads and put his boys in black because it instills fear. I mean, he's he's telling the press this. We want black uniforms because we want you to be afraid of us. Now, that's sort of different from the old Andy Griffith-style mentality yeah. of the peace officer. Where he held to, on to Barney Fife's bullet, just in case. Yeah. That's kind of a whole different world, isn't it? Where, Absolutely. You know, we uh, back in the day, and this is before my time, so I've only heard rumors. And I think that it's but, true uh, in some places that, that, that cops try their, um, that some cops, it, you know, it's true in some places for some police that they try to de-escalate the situation. It and is true. 
But that, it, to me, is what a cop should, um, should aspire to, a p- peace officer. But it's happening less and less as the police continue to become more and more what militarized. What I read about in the news is not like that. What right. I read about in the news is a, um, you know, police, police departments that uh, you know, feel they're above the law, police officers that feel they're above the law, mm-hmm. that uh, you know, want to you know, create a mil- essentially a more militarized uh, organization in order to deal with the war on crime. If there's a war on crime and these are soldiers in our streets, who are they occupying? Who are their prisoners? In recent years, police in cities all over America have been increasingly seen in all-black attire. The introduction of black police uniforms is an ominous precedent. In 1932, Hitler's propaganda chief, Heinrich Himmler, famously introduced black uniforms for the SS police, tailored to project authority and foster fear and respect. The choice of color was not by chance. It's believed the Nazis took the idea from the black shirts in Italy years before the creation of the SS. A 2001 FBI law enforcement bulletin has summarized research on police uniforms and noted the psychological influence they have. Quote, research has suggested that clothing has a powerful impact on how people perceive each other. The police officer's uniform has a profound psychological impact on others, and even slight alterations to the style of the uniform may change how citizens perceive them. I, I absolutely do. I mean, it, anybody who thinks that clothes, clothing don't have, it doesn't have an effect is just not living in the real world. The, I, I, you know, I worked as a uh, sort of an as an advertising executive, and when I'd go out in a uh, you know a dress shirt and or a, and a tie and or a tie and those kind of things, I would get all kinds of attention from women mm. who would think, hmm. Here's a guy who makes pretty good money. He's successful. He's dressed successfully. Sure. Whereas when I go out and sort of work clothes, because I like to, you know, do carpentry type stuff and work around the house and and that kind of thing, I don't get any attention at all. According to uh, another study, it's found that that black uniforms elicit emotions of anger, hostility, dominance, and aggression. Applying the results of these studies in color to the police uniform suggests darker police uniforms may send negative subconscious signals to citizens. A dark police uniform may subconsciously encourage citizens to perceive officers as aggressive, evil, or corrupt and send a negative message to the community. So even the studies that said this will send a negative message to the community, this will teach people that your officers are evil and corrupt... The police, the police guys have embraced that and said, "Yes, that's what we want. We'll take we it. want you to be frightened to death of our cops." You know, uh, I guess what they're saying is, is that they would prefer to have, um, you know, have people scared of them as bad guys rather than scared of them as good guys. Even more interesting are further findings that suggest both police officers and citizens are more likely to engage each other violently when the authorities come dressed in black. Uh, According to the information, the experiment with colored jerseys also suggests that police officers in dark uniforms subconsciously may act more aggressively. Therefore, departments should consider modifying police uniform colors. The police uniform also may influence the safety level of the officer who wears it. Dark colored uniforms may elicit subconscious negative feelings from citizens who may perceive the officer as aggressive and subsequently encourage them to consider violent action when confronted by the police. So it's saying that uh, both the... Victims, or the citizens in this case, will feel the cops are more aggressive, and indeed, wearing black will actually encourage the cops to act more aggressively. Research has also shown that police uniforms with a lighter half have been ranked by citizens as good, honest, helpful, and competent. The lighter-colored sheriff's uniform rated noticeably higher for warmth and friendliness. It's telling that police have ditched these in favor of the all-black approach. The same black uniform tactics have been adopted by police forces in the U.K., who've ditched traditional uniforms in favor of black roll necks 
and black combat trousers. MPs have spoken out against the move and described the uniforms as sinister. Uh, hmm. The MP uh, David Jones said, I think the connotations of black shirts are obvious to anybody. They've got kind of a fascistic, militaristic appearance, he had said at the time. When the role of the police in a supposedly free country is to admittedly appear dangerous and to instill fear in tandem with enhanced powers and more draconian practices, history tells us that something is most definitely not right. I have to say, I agree completely. It's disturbing. You know, when when you think about these, uh, I, I like the idea of, of uh, the whole, you know, uh, Andy May, uh, Andy from Mayberry uh, sort of uniform where mm-hmm. you, you're looking at, you know, just, just something that looks nice and presentable and, and that kind of thing. And I, I told uh, Fred today, uh, the guy we had a meeting with who was a former cop, that I like the idea of a, uh, in, in a town that's here around Keene, there's a constable rather than a, a police officer this is an elected position um and and it doesn't even have to be a, a somebody who's been through law enforcement academy it can just be anybody i like the idea of a guy showing up you know in a in a windbreaker and a striped polo and uh, you know de-escalating the situation comp- you know making compromises talking to people talking yeah. to people um you, you, this that whole idea of the black uniform scares the crap out of me how about those uh, swiss guard They've got some pretty funny uniforms. I haven't changed in forever. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. If you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then shop with us at the Free Talk Live store. Just go to store.freetalklive.com. Load up your cart with great Free Talk Live branded merchandise. That's store.freetalklive.com. We go to your phone calls. Let's talk to Malcolm in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Malcolm. Florida? Malcolm? Going once. Malcolm in Florida? Going twice. Okay, we'll put him back on hold. Maybe he's still there. We'll find out a little bit later. Here's the latest, by the way, on the Outlaw Puppeteering event. Uh, We mentioned it to you earlier, and yesterday, Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com was out at the Capitol in New Hampshire today in Concord performing a legal puppet show, and Kat Canning from the New Hampshire Free Press has the story. Uh, Dave Ridley of Manchester performed his version of The Night Throw Spent in Jail to an audience of about 30 today. Ridley calls himself the outlaw puppeteer to highlight the fact that his performances are done without a license. State law requires that puppet shows for profit be licensed. And Dave informed us before the show that the state legislature had the opportunity earlier this year to remove outdated, useless laws, but chose not to do so. The show itself was charming. The subject matter very appropriate for today's problems. In the story, Henry David Thoreau refuses to pay the poll tax to pay for the Mexican-American War. The part of the government is appropriately played by a vulture. Thoreau is thrown in jail for his disobedience, and Dave's rendition of the story was particularly entertaining, with the government urging Thoreau outright to help kill Mexicans. In real life, they're not that honest. Thoreau, or unlike Thoreau, no one came today to throw Dave Ridley in jail. 
Dave says he'll continue to do his illegal shows until he is arrested or until he earns $1,000 from his shows. I like how he's putting that out in his press release. That's what he's actually been sending out Mm -hmm. to the news media and to the cops. So he's letting them know that this isn't going to be a one-time occurrence, that he's going to be out there actually earning money. And I saw that there's a picture here of the money bucket that he has, and I see some 20s in there. So it might have been a decent take today for Dave. I don't know what he he earned uh, out there at the the front of the Capitol, but uh, eventually maybe they will will take action against him. Uh, in this case, all went smoothly and he was not arrested, which is a success. And, and really it's a success either way. When you're dealing with a civil disobedience activity like this, either way works. Uh, if they ignore you, then you've shown that their laws are silly and that they don't even enforce their own laws. In this case, the illegal puppeteering law. Uh, just absolutely absurd law that they're obviously not, they don't really even care that much about. No, why would they? I mean, right. it's, it's crazy. So why make the law in the first place? If you're not yep. going to enforce the law, why make it? So it really Why makes do it... we need a law that says that it's illegal to do uh, puppet shows for profit or not, depending right. on the town, um, puppet shows without a license? I think it's a great, uh, I think it's a great way to point out how useless many of the laws that are on the books really are and makes that crystal clear to people. Uh, by the way, he charged $2 to attend the show today, so if about 30 people attended, that's at least 60 bucks plus tips. Not too shabby. Yeah. Uh, don't imagine it took too long for him to perform that, so man, maybe he can actually make some money at this. Of course, eventually the state bureaucrats are going to be upset that he's coming back to the state house again and again and actually making money out front there because <laughs> uh, they won't want other people doing something like that, so who knows? He may encounter some trouble at some point. But so far, nothing, uh, which means that it's a success. But if he were arrested, it would also be a success, because then he would get probably more news coverage, uh, whereas right now what he might get is a mention in the newspaper. If he was arrested, he might actually get well, where's some, this mention from? some real coverage. This is the uh, New Hampshire Free Press. Okay. Uh, so the, the local union leader and the other major papers uh, in, the, in the state probably aren't paying too much attention. But if he is to get arrested, perhaps the next time he does it, then that will only draw more attention to the issue and more attention to the absurdity of the law. And so either way, it's a win for for our side. Mm-hmm. So we'll keep you informed, and I'm sure eventually we'll hear from Dave to tell us uh, how it was from his perspective. In the meantime, we go to your phone calls. Karen's on the line in Pennsylvania. Karen, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello? Hello? Hey, what's on your mind? Well, first of all, I just found you guys on iTunes on Saturday. Oh, wow. And I'm already hooked. Oh, wow. It's an awesome show. You guys are better than sliced bread. Excellent. Cool. What I was thinking about is, you know, in the Founding Fathers, Benjamin Franklin, for example, had a lot to do with what we have today. Yeah. And I'm just thinking time travel. If he were here right now, what would he think? Would he think, oh, I did a bad thing and, and let's not even try this? I don't know. I, when I think about uh, sort of the founding fathers, one of the things um, and you know, what you're talking about, our government today, is I think of uh, Thomas Jefferson's quote that uh, for two of them, the, what is it, the uh, tree of liberty is uh, you know, refreshed by the blood of patriots and tyrants, mm-hmm. and something like that, and uh, also that there should be a revolution every generation, should have its own revolution. And I don't think that that revolution has to be bloody necessarily, but... Um, you know, I think that what they expected was that their system would work for a while until it was changed to be better for the next uh, generation. Now, 
one can argue that that's really been what's happening, and unfortunately the changes have been socialistic every mm. single time. Bigger government, bigger government, bigger government, and that the only way, you know, so far, most of the, most of the time when you get rid of a, a big government, the way they do it is a bloody uprising because they've got the monopoly privilege on force, so people will use force against them to get rid of them. I, I, I hope that that's well, not what we Benjamin have to do. If Benjamin Franklin was here with us today, do you think looking around at the morality, at the way the laws are, the government, just our whole society, do you think that he – would he have another revolution? I'm – I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know that he was necessarily for it. He was what the envoy for Massachusetts to uh, or, or New Jersey or something like that to uh, to England. You know, so he sort of worked within the system and that kind of thing. I think he'd be amazed by the technology we have. First off, obviously, um, but and are we wasting our technology? I I think that our technology could be far advanced if it wasn't for government restrictions on it. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's being wasted as it is, but it could be in a better state than it is today. It could be far more advanced, and I agree with that. Uh, it's a, you know it's hard to say because we don't know Benjamin Franklin. Sure, sure, some people have read his writings. Most people haven't. I can't say I, don't I think have. You like the size of the government, I've read, intrusiveness. I I only really know one thing about Benjamin Franklin, and that I believe he was the one who's uh, attributed to the the famous quote, and I'm going to paraphrase uh, that that those who uh, that that if you give up essential liberty, li- essential liberty in return for security to the government, you'll get neither. That's essentially exactly. what he said, and, and deserve neither. And it wouldn't take him long if he were here today to realize that that's exactly what people have done. Is they they have bought into that deal. Uh, they have be- they believe that the government is going to keep them safe and is going to protect them, and as a result, have given up their their freedom. And I think he'd probably uh, be pretty sad about that. Your thoughts, Karen? Thank you so much. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. We continue with the calls and talk to John in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, John. Hi, guys. Hey, Hey, John. I don't know if you have any report today from Concord. Not officially. We just read the New Hampshire Free Press article about Dave's uh, Dave's performance today. Apparently, he went unmolested by the police. What did you you have to add to it? That's pretty awesome. I I did some video reporting on that, and... uh, I haven't been doing too much of that, but there were probably uh, about 30 people, uh, certainly 20 solid people that were there for, like, certainly there for that, and another 10 that came or went. There was a state rep that came over because he saw those old don't tread on me flags and Mm -hmm. came over and actually contributed to the making it outlaw by... Wow. Because doing it for profit is the issue. And this guy's a New Hampshire Liberty Alliance type of state rep. Cool. And it it was just an awesome day. There were there were two uh, young women, uh, teens, I guess. You know, maybe seventeen, eighteen, mm-hmm. nineteen years old. I saw them on the state house lawn. They ended up coming over, and they were just so excited. Oh. In what other state can you just do this type of activity in front of a state house? have a state rep come and join you and have people just off the street come and join you. And these two young women just thought we were kind of oddballs at first. Uh-huh. They ended up grabbing, they wanted to have a sign. They took the sign that said illegal gathering, and they were standing on the street corner shouting to people. And this is the big, you know, what, this is the capital city. It's yeah. in Concord, so it's the capital city. So it's a busy street. And they were shouting to people, you know, just, uh, you know, just friendly shouts. 
say, hey, come on over here. Come on over. <laughs> uh, we know you love it. Join the revolution. Wow, that's pretty cool, and man. These two, two young ladies joined the revolution with us today awesome. on nhfree.com. Hmm. There was another woman. Uh, who knows? Who knows what that is? It's not all about being arrested. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's all know, happening it, it here. It's so awesome. It's happening here in New Hampshire more than it's happening in any place else. Isn't that so, yeah. It's not to say it's that... It's so much fun. Right, it's not to say it couldn't happen somewhere else, but no, it's, it's not. It's so much fun here. Right, it's not happening Come anywhere else. Come here and have fun with us. Yep, folks. we are. And by the way, your video is linked on the NewHampshireFreePress.com article, so anybody that nice. wants to see I your video can that. go there. Thank you, John, hey. for the call tonight, sir. We appreciate it, and uh, glad he had the time to go out there yep, today. Thanks for making that video. Yep, one 800 259 231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour 2 is coming up. You take control of the airwaves. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We go to your phone calls, and Gene, the Christian anarchist, starts out the hour in Tennessee. Hello, Gene. Hello, I thought I'd try something different. Okay, go for wild, it. Wild, wild card today. How about uh, you guys pick the subject? It doesn't work that way, Gene. <laughs> well, oh. Why not? We're, we're trying to be different. We're trying to, to throw up, uh, throw out tradition. Now, I call and you guys pick the subject, and then we talk about it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, favorite candy. Favorite candy. Yeah. That's a tough one because I love candy. Mm. I'm a, I'm a chocoholic. I love chocolate. chocolate. It's got to be chocolate, whatever it is. It's you know that that's top of the list for me. Um, have you ever heard of these little chocolates? They're made in Switzerland, of course, and they're called ice cubes. And they look like mm. a little square thing. I've no. not. They no. sell them. They used to sell those in certain convenience stores, and you can still get them. I think if you go online, you go type in chocolate ice cubes. And you will find them, and I tell you, they're worth ordering because wow, they're, worth importing. The, huh. That is the best chocolate I've ever eaten. It is a little bit on the expensive side. I don't eat it very often, but anytime I go to a store that actually has those, I will buy up whatever I can. You know, I'll buy up hmm. a bunch of them. I like candy and, too, but I try to stay away from it. And Mark brought in a bag of Lifesaver gummy sours tonight, and I've had to, I've had I've had two of them so far. Uh, and I, I need to just not have more because I'm bad, and if I have more, I'll make myself feel ill. So I, I like candy, but I just I shouldn't eat it because it's just not good for you. Well, I've gained uh, 15 pounds in the last <laughs> what year and a half or so, and I'm I'm currently on a diet, trying to lose some of that. Gotcha. <laughs> but diets never seem to be. 100% successful. You, you know, lose a little bit. Let me make a recommendation. This is not an advertiser. This is not an advertiser, but uh, there's a neat website out there. I guess I shouldn't mention what it is, but there's a website out there that actually allows you to catalog the food that you eat during the day. You enter it into uh, 
you enter it into their system, and a lot of it they already have in there, so like apples and stuff that you can buy at the store. Stuff, a lot of stuff is already pre-cataloged for you, and so you can actually, uh, essentially, easily track all of the stuff you eat during the day. Instead of having to write it down over and over every single day, it keeps it all in their system, and it makes it really simple to figure out what exactly you've been putting into your body. And uh, and keep on top of that sort of thing. Well, simple if you want to catalog whatever um, whatever you eat every day. I well, mean, it helps for people that are trying to do that sort of thing, so they yeah. can reduce their caloric intake or reduce their sodium or reduce whatever it is they're trying to reduce. It really makes it easy to. Uh, if to you handle. want to do something that works just for a short period of time, the NotFatAnymore.com. Uh, you know, av- we have an advertiser, and uh, I've I've done it and I lost weight doing it. So there you go, Gene. Thanks for the call tonight. We appreciate I'll give it. Give that a try. All right, eight hundred two five nine. 9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Don't ask me what I want to talk about. That's the It's like reversing the format of the show. So what did I do? I looked for something in my uh, vision, my field of vision, and picked it and asked about it. Thank goodness you brought in the candy tonight, Mark. All right, so we continue with your call. Sam in Texas, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, gentlemen. We were hoping we were going to hear from you tonight. You went into... Yeah, I figured I couldn't pull off another collect call from jail, but... Uh, keeping the law of attraction in mind, guess where I got a call from last week? Uh, jail? Jail? Yeah, Dallas County Jail, a random collect call to my number at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy was trying to get me to do a call forwarding scam so his buddy could run up long-distance charges. And, of course, the jailers are supposed to be monitoring these phone calls. I, I guess they either didn't care that these guys were trying to commit phone fraud or they're just you know lazy and not doing their job. Probably the latter. So, so anyway, I went to court today. Yeah, and you were going to use the Mark Stevens Adventures in Legal Land approach, and it was actually a continuation of a court date you had a few weeks ago. So if you could, bring our listeners up to speed. Sure. So I went in to kind of question the premise and the application of the law itself in my specific case, and I had a list of questions from Mark Stevens and his script. Mm-hmm. Um, and where we got to, we went through six pages of about 18 and it stopped when there was a – I had a question about a Supreme Court case that says uh, courts can only adjudicate justiciable co- cases or controversies. And he said he needed to look up, look that up to see if it applies, and he couldn't answer right then. So he postponed mm-hmm. and continued or agreed to meet back today, okay. uh, which is what happened. Okay. So, what? so he had a chance to prepare for um, like he he had an idea of where you were going, just some some vague idea of where you're going for for this, and he managed to prepare for it. So, what did the judge have to say today? Well, so last time he had me stand up at the bench, uh, and he invited me to come up again. There was nobody in the courtroom. He walked out, you know, no standing form or anything. Um, and he he had me come up to the bench, and I said, "Sir, I'd like to just sit at the table." I'm. Uh, I need a place to spread out my notes. He's like, no, sir, stand, come up here. And I said, no, sir, I was at dance class last night. My knees kind of hurt. I, <laughs> I need to sit down. I don't think I could stand up there for that long. And then I just pulled the chair out and sat in it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> The prosecutor was still standing up there by the bench, and then I just, you know, kind of launched into my questions. He's still standing up there. After a couple of minutes, the judge is like, you can go, go ahead and have a seat. Yeah, so but they, they, these guys the just can't believe cross. that you have the hubris, the audacity <laughs> not to listen to the guy in the big black dress. Right. Well, they have to listen to him. They've, they've agreed to it. They're members of the bar, which is a little private association for themselves, they're for lawyers. And so if they were to disobey the judge in that way, they could be disbarred. Bad news. Yeah. Exactly. So um, one, of the, one of the questions in the setup script is, 
what rules apply to these proceedings. And that's things like the, the U.S. Constitution, the Texas State Constitution, uh, the Rules of Evidence, and the Texas Criminal Code of Conduct. Okay. So I went through and actually researched those last night and found some very interesting things in them. Um, the corpus delecti, there was no really great case in the cross-reference that Mark Stevens has put together. Um, and the judge said it was the body, but he didn't agree. We had this dispute going. He's saying there's no victim. I'm saying, how can you have a crime if there's no victim? Yeah, that's a good question. He has some kind of... Um, he, well, he falls back on, well, it's the law, or it's <laughs> this, or it's, you know, it's a, it's a statute, or... Uh, he at one point I asked him what the definition of a word was, and he used the word to define it. He, he, he defined the out. word with the word. Yeah, like nice. you know, red is red. Yeah, I'm like, okay, what what is what does that mean? I, I you can't use the same word to describe <laughs> the word I'm asking you to 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 understand. Yeah, that's kind of the cardinal <laughs> rule of definition. Just out of curiosity, <laughs> at some point during this proceedings, you say, just shut up and pay the t- ticket. <laughs> no. <laughs> this judge is really, really great. Uh, and we were actually talking about that at the end. I'll j- jump ahead and then we'll go back. Um, we're talking and he says, you know, look, we, I'm, I want to keep this moving forward and I'm going to treat you fairly and this and that. And I said, um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree, Robert. You, you have been more than fair. I think you've been very fair. And he said, sir. There's a certain amount of respect that needs to be paid in my courtroom. I would like it if you'd not call me by my first name again. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Not on the bench. And I said, well, you can call me by my first name. I'm not that formal. <laughs> I appreciate that, Mr. So-and-so. But anyway, so we that was mm, – he didn't like that. But And I did it just to kind of tweak him a little yeah. bit and yeah. throw him off guard. <laughs> um, all right, so we start out with jurisdiction. And I go back and I ask him, you said earlier in the proceedings that the court assumes jurisdiction, correct? And he said, yes. So I said, okay, um, I'm looking, I read through the papers here, through the criminal code, and under uh, Article 45, Section 19, uh, Subsection C, a complaint filed in a municipal court must allege that the offense was committed in the territorial limits of the municipality. So is an allegation the same thing as a fact? <laughs> and, you know, he, 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 we went round and round on that. He didn't want to answer the question. Because if it going, is an allegation, then it has to be proven, right? Or You would think so. Okay, I want to get a continue so. with this line of thought here in a moment. Hang on, Sam. 800-259-9231. Sam, going into the court today... And asking question after revealing question to try to box the judge into a corner he would rather not be in. Sounds like he's already trying to dodge out of uh, one of his first questions. We'll find out what the rest of the story is and hear from you about whatever you want to talk about. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. And they include the archives, an entire year's worth of the program, right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Go to freetalklive.com and grab them up. It's freetalklive.com. You can do all sorts of legal documents, patents, wills, 
trademarks. You can start your own limited liability company. You can do it all at LegalZoom.com. They're not lawyers, but they do handle simple legal documents. Um, and you can save money. You can go uh, use code FTL. That's 10 bucks off your order if you go to LegalZoom.com. That's LegalZoom.com. I've used it. It is fast and easy. We go to your calls. Back to Sam in Texas. Sam, who was in court for the second time this month today, continuing an earlier hearing. I guess it's not really even a trial. You haven't gotten to the trial phase yet. Pre-trial arraignment. Pre- and we, I don't know if we're actually in the pre-trial arraignment portion because I haven't pled anything yet. <laughs> so, so what basically what the called exactly? What the strategy is here? Either. I banged on the microphone that was on the table and said, "Is this on? <laughs> Can we get it turned on?" No, we're not making a recording. Oh, they wouldn't let you record it. No, he wouldn't use the microphones there that were set up to record. Will he let you bring your camera in? Because you've you've got a lot of uh, recording equipment you could bring into the courtroom. Yeah, well, see, early on with the the first time around, I hired a production company to call the court and say we're making a documentary on the Texas court system and we mm-hmm. need footage of a traffic court. What's the procedure for bringing a camera in, as we had discussed? Yeah. And the, the lady got all excited about it, called the judge. The judge said, we don't allow cameras in the courts ever. Hmm. So, What about audio recording? Um, I, uh, I can, can I plead the fifth with a voluntarist? <laughs> okay. Meaning you didn't ask about that? <laughs> um, I didn't ask about it, yes, in, okay. in more ways than one. Okay. All right. Good enough. Let's continue the story here. Basically, the idea is that instead of getting into a trial or pleading guilty, uh, you walk into the court, you've got a, a check, you, you tell the judge you intend to plead guilty, but you have some questions about the process uh, before you decide to do that, and you then launch into an 18-page long, 18 pages full of questions uh, written up by Mark Stevens over at adventuresinlegalland.com. Uh, and the questions are designed to ask uh, some really – they're really questions that no one ever really asks in court, and they should be asked. They're important to ask uh, because, really, the uh, the whole notion of these courts is essentially a public relations ploy to distract people from what's really going on with government, and that is people wielding force in order to get their way over our lives. And so many of these questions are designed to reveal that fact about the government and their courts uh, and put the judge into a very, very uncomfortable position. So you began asking a number of questions, and you got into the issue of jurisdiction. And if you could, uh, what was the question about jurisdiction you asked the judge? Uh, does the, Well, earlier in the trial, he said that I forget the exact question I asked, but what he his response is that the court assumes jurisdiction exists. Okay, mm-hmm. so that means, you know, and then I asked the question, well, can this man write um, tickets in Oklahoma? You know, would they be valid? He said, well, if they're filed with this court, then they would be valid. I said, well, would a ticket written in Oklahoma filed with this court be valid? Well, no. And, you know, so we went round and round and round on this issue where he kept sidestepping me and not addressing the question I was asking, which is, who has the burden of proof here? You told me already that this man can't write tickets in another state and have them be valid and that he has the burden of proof. So which items are is he required to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, and which ones does which facts does the court assume 
already exist. So the court assumes jurisdiction because it's convenient for them, but didn't you say that... Well, uh, no, they can't do that. Well, that's, what, that's he's, what he's telling me. Right, right. He said that, but that's not necessary. That's because he wants to move on beyond that and actually get to the trial. But you're saying that the court can't assume jurisdiction, uh, that that's an important factor to the case, right? Yeah, so I, what I did is I looked up in the criminal code... You know, the thing about a valid complaint, and it's an allegation, and an allegation is not proven. He wouldn't touch that because it's a fact based on the ticket, and that can only be talked about at trial. So then mm. I started asking about discovery, and I asked, well, how do I get the, uh, you know, all of your evidence against me? He goes, discovery? And I go, okay, can I get the audio and video recording of the stop? And he said, well, you can ask for it. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to get that. I'm also going to depose the police officer, and uh, I've got about 30 more pages of case law to send to the judge with some questions. Now, uh, one of the other things I went to when he said he was presuming the jurisdiction exists, I said, okay, well, I looked at the rules of evidence, and Article 3 uh, in the rules of evidence says presumptions, and under that there's a thing with brackets that says no rules adopted at this time. So does that mean that the court is allowed to presume anything at once, like jurisdiction, or does that mean it's not allowed to presume anything at all? Well, I can't answer that question, sir. He just refused to answer? (laughs) He just refused Um, to answer the question? He refused, yeah. Well, wouldn't that be like an impasse then at that point? I mean, if he won't answer your questions, then, I mean, he had said that he was going to be helpful to you, but now he's not answering your questions. Wouldn't that be, you know, time to leave at that point? Okay, well, I guess we're done. (laughs) Thanks. You would think so, but, Ian, it's not like they're just going to say, okay, well, you have a nice day. Yeah. So what I would do in that case is work around the issue and, you know, talk, come at it a different way, as many different ways as I could think of. And, you know, jurisdiction went on. That was about 30 minutes of the trial today. Um, (laughs) How much time have you put into this so far? I don't know. We've spent another hour today wow. in court arguing, so we're at about two and a half hours so far. But you said uh, there was no one there, was, though, right? There was no yeah, one else no, in the court? my mom was sitting watching in the back, and she said the prosecutor kept looking at his watch, making faces like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, let's he, see. Okay. This is a really good one. So one of the things I asked about... We, we've got to corpus delecti. He wouldn't take any of the case law. He says, I need to submit it. Now, I read a thing from the Arizona Constitution that says, you know, governments are created to protect rights, and that's their charter. So everything in their jurisdiction has to do with protecting individual rights. You follow? Presumably, yeah. yeah. Okay. So he said, well, yeah, but that doesn't apply. Uh, and this is Texas, not Arizona, sir. Uh-huh. And you remember, he wrote me on the Not here in Texas. The, the courts aren't here for that in Texas, son. Well, wait. So then I said, yeah, you're right, sir. I, I remember you telling me that last time we were here. But then, you know, then when I was reading through the rules of evidence, rule number 202, a court upon its own motion or upon the motion of a party, and that's me, I'm a party, right? He goes, well, I don't know, are you? Mm-hmm. I said, okay, uh, yes, I'm a party. And uh, we got into a thing on, you know, are you Sam, you know, Sam Dodson? And I, I said, well, I don't know. Does the court assume that's who I am? And he wouldn't answer it. And I'm thinking, you know, lo- lowercase, uppercase name thing. Am I going to find out something here? Oh, my. But eventually I just admitted to being that person and we moved on. Ah, okay. Interesting. Um, but it says, you know, upon the motion of a party shall 
take judicial notice of the Constitution's public statutes, rules, regulations, ordinances, court decisions, and common law of every other state, territory, or jurisdiction of the United States. Uh-oh. So that would make these valid, wouldn't it? Uh, I want to hear what he said to that. Hang on. 800-259-9231. More <laughs> adventures in legal land with Sam in Texas here in moments. And you're welcome to chime in with your thoughts as well at 800-259-9231. This sure is going to be fun if he tries this up here in uh, New Hampshire. We pack the courtroom full of people. Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a wiki, over 1,500 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive, wiki.freetalklive.com. Is another fad diet really the answer to losing your extra pounds? Working out and eating right? No longer working to help you lose weight? If you can relate to that, you can go read the story of a doctor who lost 37 pounds in one month and has kept it off. See the actual before and after pictures and read his story at notfatanymore.com. Get off that fad diet roller coaster forever. Check out notfatanymore.com. We are getting an update from Sam in Texas as to his courtroom situation using the techniques from Adventures in Legal Land. We've had Mark Stevens on the show in the past, and the idea is to essentially ask questions that they don't want you to ask. But you can ask them. You can ask all kinds of questions uh, before the trial even begins in the courtroom, and that's what he's been doing, and he continued it earlier today, asking questions that make the judge quite uncomfortable because he might have to admit to some things that might impeach the courtroom itself or might just make it, well, not appear as legitimate as it normally does. And I think, Sam, you've done an excellent job uh, so far, uh, just an amazing job, I think, of continuing <laughs> this process because it must be difficult. It must be difficult to, to process through all this and to stand up there. In this case, I guess you got to sit down this time. Uh, to, to sit down in front of the judge and uh, go through these questions. But the, the la- last one you told us about had to do with the purpose of government. You had uh, cited an Arizona Supreme Court, I guess, something from them. Say, a a con- constitutional section. Arizona Constitution. Now, you're in Texas, and the Constitution section said something about governments are supposed to protect life, liberty, and property. And uh, and the judge said, well, that's not the same here in Texas because that's Arizona. This is Texas. But then you trumped him with what was it? With a uh, rule of evidence, Rule 202, Determination of Law of Other States. I read that title. I'm like, oh, I need to check that out. Mm. And it says uh, a court is uh, a, a court upon its own motion may or upon the motion of a party, which I said I was a party, so I became one, mm-hmm. um, t- uh, may take uh, judicial notice of the Constitution's public statutes, rules, regulations, ordinances and court decisions and common law of every other state, territory, or jurisdiction in the United States. What does that mean, judicial notice? Judicial notice is where I say, sir, I'd like the court to recognize that the Supreme Court has said X. Uh Does X apply in this case? Gotcha. So what did he have to say to that? He said, uh, you know, you could tell I've nailed him on that one. (laughs) And uh, he said, well, you can submit these arguments to the court, and we'll consider them. Hmm. And that was his answer. (laughs) 
So he did a good job, and that's really, I, I learned his technique and how he's coming at me. Uh, now, unfortunately, I also found out that they can change the judge anytime they want, as mm. many times as they want. And if I come back, uh, when I go back after Porkfest, um, it may be a different judge. It may not be this nice guy that's up there helping me. Well, then can't you start over with your questions? No, I don't think so. Mm. I, um I suppose I could, but, but yeah. How could you create the same? How could you create the same baseline with uh, with a different judge if he hasn't been there for all the the earlier questions? I don't know. I it, don't know. Besides, this is taking a lot of your time. It's a, it's a traffic ticket, so yeah. I mean, the worst case scenario it's is fun, though. It's he so pays much for fun. it. Yeah. yeah, sure. I'm glad you're I'm glad you're enjoying it. You wouldn't be doing it if you weren't. So it's certainly an educational right. experience. And uh, so so his technique essentially is to kind of obscure and obfuscate what it is you said, and then and then move it, on. Would that be a, a non responsive answer right. though? It, it, it looks no, no. Like... What he's doing is, if I make an assertion, like with the California California ruling about corpus delecti, he stepped on me and said, "Sir, that's California law. It's not applicable here." But what he was doing, which is true, but what he was not doing was telling me that Rule 202 allows for it if I, as a party to the proceedings, bring it up. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I guess I wasn't a party to the proceedings. Got it. So that rule wouldn't apply. So really, it's unless I say, hey, you're stepping on me and your rules say that you can't do that, he's going to do it. And then when I do call him on something, he sidesteps it as best he can. So you can't force him to be responsive in that? You know, that's not a responsive answer. I need a yes or no or whatever. That won't work. Well, I left it at that. Um, But we moved on to another really killer point that was pretty detrimental to him. Um, and this is in the Criminal Code, Article 6, uh, Section 5, duty of a peace officer as to threats. And it says he may take such measures as the person about to be injured might be for the prevention of the offense. And I told him, now that doesn't say the person to be injured if one exists. It says the person to be injured so there must, for the offense. So there must be a, an injury party. in order to have an offense. And he said, sir, that's related to threats. This, is, this doesn't apply in this case. And I said, okay, let's look at the next section, section 7. It says conduct of peace officers. Uh, the conduct of a peace officer in preventing offenses is about to be, or, sorry, about to be committed in their presence or within their view is to be regulated by the same rules as prescribed to the action of the person about to be injured. They may use all force necessary to repel aggression. So I was stopped, correct? Force was used against me. And he, he did not want to answer that question because I nailed him on this. Um, we went for about 10 minutes on whether or not this person was a police officer, whether they were acting as a private citizen issuing this complaint mm-hmm. or in an official capacity, whether or not um, any force was used. He wouldn't even admit to that. And, I mean, I went through well, uh, 10 minutes just trying to get him to say, you know, that it was an officer acting under the authority of the state who issued this complaint. And did, did, he, get, did he admit to force? He would, uh, no. He, it, you know, he wouldn't, it's he wouldn't so, answer it. He basically They're said, so duplicitous. I mean, this guy's... That's a fact. He, I can't attest to any facts. He was happy to testify for the prosecutor, though, 
and he told the prosecutor not to answer some of my questions. Right. This guy is trying very, very hard to question. He's trying very, very hard to make to to, to just get you to pay this ticket mm-hmm. and rather than being the fair guy up there um, who's disputing, uh, you know, back and forth, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, regulating back and forth as to whether, um, you know, one party or the other in this adversarial legal system that we have. No, this guy's up there pushing the law and you're going to you're going to obey the, the, the courts. You know, you've got a frickin speeding ticket citizen. Now just pay. He hasn't really had that attitude, Mark. It's more of a um, you. He did start to bring up the fact that we need to move this towards trial. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that what he you wants you to do. Lawyer, if you don't understand these things, and I had to go back to well, I'm trying to understand the proceedings. You know, and I, I've got these examples and. The answers I'm getting are not very clear. So right, yeah, you've no obligation to get a lawyer. Yeah, there's there's right. no obligation upon you to do that. If you you want to represent yourself, you have to understand what the proceedings are like, and that's frustrating to them. He could throw out the case at any time, and you know forfeit the eighty bucks or whatever it is your speeding tickets for. Uh, but no, he can probably he wants to continue on with this. Probably 200. That's okay. usually what they are out here. I thought okay. you said 600. I'm like, whoa, you were flying. <laughs> so, I mean, no. how much time has he has he spent on this so far? I mean, a couple hours, you said, at least, and then there's the prosecutor who's sitting in there the entire time. They could be processing through more cases and ringing the cash register, but no, they're trying to uh, to battle it out with you here. So he's the one choosing to extend this. Right. So up next, I'm going to write up a statement with some more of my questions that I have. For so the wait a minute, how many of the 18 answering? pages did you get through today? None. You didn't get through we any? We were focused on the criminal code and, <laughs> and the rules of evidence. Sam, would you agree that most people couldn't do this? I think, yeah, the, the script is not the end-all, be-all. It's a tool to teach you the principles so that you can, so that I was able to go and do the research mm-hmm. do you and think come you've up done, with my own arguments. And you, that's when it clicked for me. At, at the, at the rate really you get paid, um, Sam, at the rate you get paid, do you think you've put in more than $200 worth of work? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But oh, yeah. it doesn't matter, Mark. Oh, I, to you. <laughs> what I'm doing here is learning how to really be effective when we go up in New Hampshire and do some of these acts of civil disobedience and then put this stuff into play. Yeah, and I'm really awesome. going up against some pretty tough lawyers that I know love the this. law, I think, better than they might in New Hampshire. I think that's great, Sam. I know you. Did you have another point? Because we'll hold you over. Uh, we'll, leave, we'll leave it at that. Okay, very good. Thank you for the call tonight, dude. And uh, when are you going back? You said after Porkfest? After Porkfest, So they yeah. rescheduled for a few months out then? Yes. <laughs> Thanks, dude, for the call tonight. Imagine if... Everyone who got a speeding ticket went in and did what Sam did. What would they do? How would they change the rules? More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. The single CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, then... Become an amplifier. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board with the program for as little as three bucks a month. And the purpose of the uh, of the AMP program is to advertise, market, and promote Free Talk Live. To get Free Talk Live on more radio stations around the country, got an agreement from a station today, as a matter of fact. I didn't hear anything about this. Uh, Washington. Pasco, Washington. Pasco, Washington. It's actually somewhat near Yakima, so we're going to be slowly taking over that corner of uh, Washington State. 
I, I bet some and people heard it in Yakima and wanted it in Pasco. We are going to be competing with the overnight shows. They're going to take the show and delay broadcast us. Uh, they're going to take the Friday and Saturday show and put that on back-to-back in uh, so late Saturday, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, so yes, early Sunday morning from midnight to 6. So that's pretty midnight cool. Midnight to 6? Oh, yeah. Wh- early they're back-to-backing two shows. I see. Early in the morning. So pretty cool. I mean, we we don't care if they run us live or delayed or whatever, as long as they put us on the air. That's all we're prefer happy. live. But, live you know. is great, but you know, hey, I'm not saying no. Nope. So thanks to those guys, KFLD is the station that's going to be coming on board probably toward the end of next month. We'll remind you and give you more details as that happens. But it's happening because of the amplifiers, because of listeners like you sending in three bucks a month to the show, and you get a few perks. You get access to the Amp Only call-in lines. You heard Sam in Texas a few moments ago. He was on the Amp line. Uh, we've got the Amp Only chat room. There are people in there chatting it up right now. In fact, we've uh, increased the size of the camera feed to the Amp chat room, so not only do you get a nice big cam to look at, but you can also chat with other amplifiers, plus the uh, Amp Only forum, and there's more. Go get all the details at amp.freetalklive.com. I have to say, I love what Sam is doing down there in Texas, going into the courtroom and literally just wasting their time. Uh, we, you know, they waste our time with their bureaucratic mandates and their nonsense, and I think this is appropriate. This is good stuff, that he's going in there and just asking question after question after question. It, his speeding ticket hasn't even gone to trial yet. It's in a pre-trial uh, I forget the term he used. It wasn't a hearing. Some sort of. Oh, I thought it was pre-trial hearing. Some sort of pre-trial phase that they're in right now, where he's just asking so many questions. The judge is getting so frustrated. He just wants the judge just wants to move it to trial so he can, you know, find him guilty yeah. and get some just money pay the out ticket. of it. Right. Uh, but he's not, and he's going to continue this. This has been going on for weeks now, and they've uh, they've set another date out into the summertime. I mean, that's two months out from now, two and a half months or a month and a half from now that he's going to be going back to court to continue the process of asking question after question. It's clear that they're playing, you know, they're obviously willing to play with him to some extent. They must find him intriguing and fun because otherwise... it's like the cat and the mouse. Yeah. I mean, if the mouse, you know, plays with the cat, then, you know, the cat has nothing to lose with playing with the mouse. Right. So that's what they're doing with Sam right now. They could be cashing in. They could be eating donuts, sitting in the break room, and then going and just going through the the regular folk that are willing to roll over and pay whatever it is the state demands of them. But they're playing with Sam, and so it's kind of interesting and intriguing to watch this happen, and especially exciting to think about the potential here. Uh, we were talking during the break briefly, Mark, that uh, the, this approach that Sam is using, the Adventures in Legal Land approach, is pretty complicated and pretty difficult for most people to do. It's hard for me to to even wrap my head around some of right. the questions. I hear it, and I'm like, oh, God, you're researching what? And through tomes and tomes of law books? I, I had no interest. Yeah. I like the approach of just questioning the legitimacy of the system itself. Uh, you know, well, am I a member of your society? What's my obligation to be here? Uh, how was I obligated in the first place to follow your rules? Uh, things how, like that. How did how did you get to be in charge? Yeah, are you how, in charge? How did the system get to be in place? Right. Did I consent at some point? And if so, can I withdraw my consent? If Isn't this government formed on the consent of the governed? So therefore, if I want to alter or abolish it, or I can just w- withdraw my consent? Questions like that. And mm-hmm. I haven't really nailed down what I would ask in that particular situation. But there are some people out Not there. Not in the situation. Right. There are some people out there looking at those options. But either way, I think asking important questions like this are key because it reveals the cracks in their veil 
They have this veil of legitimacy Mm -hmm. that they've thrown over themselves. They are nothing but a group of people doing business at the threat of violence. Right. They are a gang. They happen to be, whether they're the state or municipal or, um, you know, federal gang, they're a gang. They, they wear gang colors. They operate as a gang. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they may, they may not. I guess the difference between them and a gang is they're the big gang, so they get to write down the ru- gang rules on a piece right. of paper. And well, the rest of us have to follow. Right. And the other difference is that this gang has a veil of legitimacy. Any other gang. Well, any other gang through the and the court system is another important part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, a gang as you commonly encounter them. Not that you commonly encounter a gang, but you know, in the movies and what you've heard about gangs, gangs are just going to take your stuff from you, right? They're going to threaten you and they're going to extract money from you. And there's not going to be a trial. There's not going to be any show. It's just going to be you either pay or we burn your business down, right. or you pay or we're going to hurt your wife. That sort of thing. That's what you're dealing with with most gangs. But because this one has a veil of legitimacy, which is propped up by its courtroom, uh, and it's propped up by the democratic system, they can say, well, we're here because the people want us to be here, and we're here doing these things because we're just representing the people. And look, we've got a judicial system, so it's fair. If we accuse you of something, you can take it to the courts, and everything's fair. And they just, they're lying to people. And so that's what asking these questions helps reveal it helps show people that huh maybe things aren't quite as they have seemed maybe they aren't exactly what i was taught in the gang run school system that i was brought up in (laughs) and so that's kind of what the point of all this is and i like how sam is using this speeding ticket instance as the opportunity to hone his craft in asking these questions and in participating in this way, because that's going to be incredibly valuable when he comes up here to New Hampshire, which I believe he's planning on doing at some point this year, is moving up here. Part of the first uh, 1,000. Right. So when, uh, when an activist gets in trouble, Sam is going to be able to consult with them and, and help them out if that's the direction they want to go in. And I can only – it's hard for me to even envision what it would mean if a bunch of people – started to take this particular tact in the same courthouse. Like it, it, would, it would jam up the court system to the point that just nothing would happen right. anymore. Well, we've always said, Mark, that if, if, if drug users, for instance, mm-hmm. just regular drug users that never hurt anybody, were to actually take their cases to trial, let alone do all the stuff Sam's doing, Instead of just pleading out, taking the guilty plea, taking whatever the probation or the punishment is, and, and moving on with their lives, if they actually just took it to trial, that alone would be not enough to clog the court system from here until the, you know, the unending future. I mean, because there are so many drug cases. If you ever sat in an arraignment in the morning, you could just sit there and watch and count and tick them off. I mean, it's alcohol, drugs, alcohol, drugs, maybe a... Uh, domestic violence, but mostly it's drugs. Mm -hmm. And so if all those people went to trial, they wouldn't have enough time to deal with it all, and they would just have to start throwing stuff out. They would have to do something different. Yeah. And so not only if people were to go to trial, but if in this case people were to start taking that tactic of asking similar questions to what Sam is asking, the entire process, you would never even get the cases to trial. They would all be in this pre-trial thing for months upon months, and they wouldn't they would have to do something differently. And if what they chose to do differently was to force people into trial and was to force people to uh, to plead guilty or not guilty or something like that, to use uh, extra coercion, that would reveal the state for what it truly is. It would show to all who were paying attention. And the people that had it happen to them likely wouldn't face much more punishment than they're facing now. I mean, they're already getting punished. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah, what are you going to do? Create a new crime called asking the judge questions in the courtroom? 
I mean, really, that's all he's doing in this case is just asking questions. He's just trying to understand what's wrong with that. Well, they, so, can't, they certainly can't say that there's anything wrong with it. So imagine for a moment, we've talked recently about a possible marijuana civil disobedience, which, <laughs> which could involve people uh, in public smoking marijuana. And I also like the idea of adding in cigarette smokers with hand-rolled cigarettes around, too. Oh, so that way you, you mix them in together and, you know, who's really smoking the joints? It'd be hard to tell. So then what are they going to do, arrest a bunch of cigarette smokers because they were smoking hand-rolled joints? That could be a problem. Well, they're, they're, uh, they're just cigarettes, hand-rolled cigarettes, yeah. But, but presuming they arrested a bunch of people for smoking marijuana, if all of those people had decided in advance to, A, take their case to trial, and B, ask a bunch of questions like Sam is asking, or better yet, question lo- the legitimacy of the system entirely, C, to have a whole bunch of supporters, activists, who maybe weren't the marijuana smokers, but other people that support freedom, come into the courtroom in order to to watch it all happen, how would they respond? What would the government do? Something like that has never happened before. Has it? Uh, not, not that I know of. So, the, I mean, we are we are charting brand new territory here, Mark. We are on the leading edge of a movement that has never existed in this way before. The ideas have been out there. The ideas of freedom have been thrown around for the last, you know, f- several decades. Uh, but no one's really taken action on it, and it's just now beginning. Oh, I, I'm, I'm totally aware that Free Talk Live and the Liberty Movement is in the vanguard of a, a whole new societal change. I'm getting it. Free Talk Live certainly didn't start it, but we're a part of it. Yeah. So it's very exciting to see what's happening here and exciting to have uh, you be a part of it. 1-800-259-9231. We'll talk more about uh, the Free State Project here in the coming of an hour number three because it's an important factor as well. Uh, Bring up whatever's on your mind. The marijuana arrest capital of America will tell you where it is. Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, you can take control of the airways via the toll-free number. We launch in hour number three. Bring up what you want, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Let's start the hour out by talking about drugs. Uh, First, marijuana, then hard lemonade. We'll get to that. Uh, but first, from the NYCLU, according to the Associated Press and, C- and CBS, police busted nearly 400,000 people for carrying small amounts of marijuana in the last decade in New York City alone, making New York City the world leader in marijuana arrests. So they're counting number of arrests. That's correct. Well, marijuana, uh, excuse me, um, New York City has more people than any place else, so it's a little unfair um, to to... You know, count them as the number one place for arrests. Okay. What, what, but what I you think it's particularly is, is how many, you know, per capita. 
I understand that. But I think it's particularly interesting, Mark, that we've heard people claim on this show, and I think you might have been one of them, that marijuana is actually decrimmed in New York City, that I, it's only a finable offense. don't remember having said that. Either. I don't remember who it was that made that claim, but I remember hearing it a number of times. In fact, they do address that here in this story. So we'll see exactly how it is they're getting around that particular issue. If it's a, only a finable offense, how is it they could possibly have arrested 400,000 people in 10 years? They're all drug dealers. Well, they all have... Yeah. <laughs> they they find a way, don't they? Here's the story. Uh, the civil civil rights advocates said Tuesday while unveiling a study criticizing the war on drugs, police officials who've long argued that the low-level drug arrests helped drive down more serious crime countered by saying the report's data was flawed and its findings misleading. The study by Queens College sociologist Harry Levine, titled Marijuana Arrest Crusade, accused police of purposely singling out minorities during the 10-year crackdown. It said that data provided by the Stat Division of Criminal Justice Services showed that between 1997 and 2007, 52% of marijuana arrest suspects were black. 31% were Hispanic and only 15% white. Mm. The findings are further proof that racial profiling is a fact of life on the streets of New York, according to the executive director of the NYCLU. Uh, Laws uh, laws were revised in the late 1970s to largely decriminalize carrying small concealed stashes of marijuana, but the scientist or the... uh, the man here said he claimed that police routinely manufacture arrests for possession in public view, which is still a misdemeanor, by stopping young black men on the street and goading them into emptying their pockets. Ah. According to the study, arrests for marijuana possession... And, be- the, the, of course, these young black guys don't know, uh, nobody uh, I'm likely knows, that... It's just a fine if they find it in your pocket, yeah. but it's an arrestable offense if, if you it's pull out it out and show it to them. Who would know that? Who would know that? Right. Well, the cops know it, and they know their authoritative demeanor scares people into doing what it is they want them to. So they find somebody on the street. They're standing there looking all scary with their gun, and they threaten them, and they say, you know, empty out your pocket, son. And so what do people do? They do whatever the cop asks. They don't want to get hurt. They don't get their heads smashed against something. They don't want to get beaten up. They don't want to get tasered. Okay, fine. I'll empty out my pockets. What's the worst that could happen? Well, you get arrested. According to the study, arrests for marijuana possession began skyrocketing in the late 90s during the Giuliani administration, a trend that continued under Mayor Bloomberg at an estimated cost of between 50 and $90 million per year. There were 39,700 arrests last year alone, according to the study. The 2007 total makes the city the marijuana arrest capital of the world, according to Lieberman, and the study says New York deserves that title because it devotes far more resources to arresting and jailing marijuana offenders than other large cities in Europe and elsewhere. Hmm. It also cites a previous analysis of FBI data showing that five of the top ten countries with the highest per capita arrest rate were the five boroughs, so they did check per capita. Hmm. Five of the top ten counties with the highest per capita arrest rate were the five boroughs in New York. Police disputed the study's finding that most of the misdemeanor arrests involved suspects carrying only a few grams of marijuana inside blunts or small plastic bags. Typically, they said the suspects were either smoking pot in public or carrying more weight, between about one and eight ounces. New York's polo- uh, police spokes bureaucrat called Levine an advocate for marijuana. I can't legalism. imagine that many people. How many? 400,000? Uh, in 10 years. In 10 years. Okay. He called Levine so 40,000 uh, a year carrying yep. an ounce or more, and yep. the cops just happened to find them, uh-huh. and the vast majority of them are black? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So the spokes bureaucrat accused Levin or Levine as being an advocate for marijuana legalization and accused the New York Civil Liberties Union of they, using. They can accuse me of that. Yeah. I mean, great. I'll wear that with pride. It's certainly not the issue that I hang my hat on, but I'm far more interested in um, deregulation, total deregulation, Mm -hmm. and uh, and and lowering taxes than I am. Far lowering taxes, cutting taxes to 10% of what they are. He says that uh, he accused. It says here that he accused the sociologist of misleading the public with absurdly inflated numbers and false claims about bias. Really. Is that the best you can do? Is just sit back and say, "Well, they're lying." Just lob, uh, you know, unsubstantiated uh, claims like that. That's all they got, Mark. That's all where, they have. Where is are lies. your facts? Where's your, uh, you know, b- big right. uh, pr- presentation on what the facts are? Right. I, hey, hey, don't accuse us of arresting a bunch of black people. We're not doing that. Oh, yes, you are. That well, that's, that's what, what he the says you're say. doing. The numbers show that that's what you're doing on the street. People that are on the street would tell you that's what that you're doing. You've got nothing else to say except, well, he's wrong. We're not doing that. You these people are pathetic. Anyway, he says if the NYCLU is for legalization, it should just say so without resorting to smears. Well, I don't know what the NYCLU stands for. I don't know I, necessarily what they're for either, um, but. You know, if if the laws are being uh, uh, applied unfairly, then that's wrong in and of itself. It, it the the laws are unfair, but even if the laws are unfair and they're being applied unfairly against people of uh, different ethnicities, that seems wrong to me too. Do, are you trying to tell me that that many more people um, that are black smoke marijuana, smoke marijuana than, than white? That doesn't make any sense. That's nonsense. I mean, they might like to tell you that, but it's crap. Their marijuana smoking is across the board, Mar- you know, male, female, black, white, whatever subcategories you want to divide people down into, wealthy, poor, whatever, lots of people smoke marijuana. Parents, single people, kids, old people, lots of them do. Anyway, it needs to change. This all needs to end. This is insanity. $50 million. $90 million. As much as $90 million they spend in that city alone wow. to enforce the marijuana laws. Now, who, who benefits from this besides the city? <sighs> is society getting cleaned up? Are people stop, nobody, stopping nobody smoking? Nobody the city, really. I mean, if you can Just pick the organization off, called the City of New York. Right. If you can pick off 40,000 people a year in New York City... Year after year, because this is 10 years, 400,000 people. Well, you haven't reduced anything, have you? You've spent $90 million putting people in jail cells, ruining their lives, saddling them with a criminal record, inconveniencing them, possibly uh, causing them to lose their jobs. Maybe causing them to get uh, kicked out of their homes for rent payments they couldn't make. You know, and and the funny thing is, is y- y- these these convictions they go with people for for the rest of their lives, and yep. you never know how that's going to affect. Um, you know, they may some somewhere down the line they may be up against somebody else. Uh, they've worked harder in order to get the job. They've mm-hmm. studied longer. They've got better education. But you know, th- th- an employer doesn't know two people. They're just yep. they're just meeting them, and they have this one marijuana conviction, this w- misdemeanor marijuana conviction. That could be the difference between them getting the job of their dreams and not but that's that doesn't bother them mark because they don't care they don't care about and they're miserable government bureaucrats in a lot of cases right i'm sure there are some government bureaucrats that are very very nice people but in their jobs 
they don't care and they don't have to care about you. They're not incentivized right. to care. Who could claim? Who could make the claim that spending ninety million dollars to arrest forty thousand people in one year's time is in any way caring about those forty thousand people? You're hurting those people. You could make the argument, well, they were ruining their lives with this marijuana. Well, that's your opinion. And you don't have anything to back that up. Right, and, and they would be ruining their lives with, um, somebody else could be ruining their lives with alcohol. I can tell you, that's I've, legal. I've smoked more marijuana than I can, count, I can possibly even quantify. And I don't <laughs> think my life has been ruined in any way, shape, or form. So please stop with this nonsense. Let's move on and let people make their own choices for their own lives and their own bodies. It's the only sane thing to do. More coming up. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Those features do include the updates. Get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And are you remodeling your kitchen or bath? Now you can purchase knobs, pulls, and faucets at wholesale prices and support a business that supports Free Talk Live. Internobs.com. Save 10% on your order by using the code FTL at checkout. That's internobs.com. I-N-T-E-R-K-N-O-B-S dot com. Friendly service and wholesale prices for knobs, pulls, and more at internobs.com. Well, you know, and basically they, uh, it is wholesale prices because it's set up for contractors, builders, designers, people like that. And those people get, uh, you know, that's, that's the idea of the site of internobs. And they can get, a, they can get an industry discount if they go there to nice. industry uh, excuse me, to internobs.com, but uh, the idea is it's set up to give these things wholesale to the public. You don't have to pay for the big store, mm. uh, the you know all that other stuff that goes with uh, you know places that display knobs and pulls and sinks and faucets and all that other stuff. And you're helping a liberty-friendly business as well. Yep. Internobs.com. We go to your phone calls. We still have to talk about hard lemonade and an underage drinker. But first, we go to William in South Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live. William. Hello? William? Oh, yeah, uh, sorry, I heard a loud beep. What's on your mind? I was trying to call the uh, What Really Happened show. Don't well, know what that is. What really happened? No, it's uh, another GTN. Oh, okay. Uh, well, show you're on Free Talk I Live. <laughs> What's on All your right, mind? Cool. Can't help you. Um, I was actually going to discuss uh, an article from the February issue, February 1938 issue of Popular Mechanics. Really, I love. I get Popular Mechanics every month, and I, I do. They always show those time capsules in the magazine. They show the the old uh, the old uh, magazine to talk about it a little bit. So I like those. Go ahead. Okay. Well, this is called the Billion Dollar Crop, and uh, the reason I started okay. thinking about this was because of the food crisis and uh, you know the uh, sort of the, the the fuel economy rolling over into the the food crop economy or sort of thing, but. Uh, I guess I was just going to read a couple of lines from the article. I'm, That's all right. Uh, sure, lay it on me. Okay, uh, American farmers are promised a new cash crop with an annual value of several hundred million dollars, which, of course, would be much more now, uh, all because of a machine that was invented which solved the problem more than 6,000 years old. And the problem was that the hemp couldn't actually – had to be broken up by hand for thousands of years until the Industrial Revolution. Mm, okay. And this, uh, so this machine was invented, the article goes on, invented uh, around 1938 – Incidentally, uh, uh, hemp 
was criminalized in 1939 with the uh, marijuana uh, stamp act. Right. I thought it was 37, but who's counting? Is it? it was it 37? It, I, that's the number that rings bell for me, but whatever. Go I, ahead I'm, with your point. I'm pretty sure I was, I was involved in a group called Normal. And, uh, uh, anyway, it says uh, hemp is a standard fiber of the world. And it goes on to say that uh, 77% of the cellulose can be used to produce more than... Uh, yeah, the, the plant leaves uh, 77% cellulose, wow. which is uh, much, much more than corn, corn stalks, and uh, as far as I know, any other plant. Anyway, that, that was just sort of the gist of, of this thing. Uh, if we're looking at uh, maybe producing uh, our fuel from plants, I'd, I'd strongly urge anyone who's in sort of the uh, the hemp decriminalization movement to really speak up at this point. Yeah, you know the the thing is, is it can be used for fuel, it can be used for paper. Yeah, all the all the greenies that are worried about recycling and all that stuff, that mm -hmm. problem could be solved. You wouldn't have to chop down trees if we would just allow <laughs> hemp farms. Yep. The stuff right. grows and, uh, easily and quickly. The very last paragraph of the article says, however, the connection of hemp as a crop and marijuana seems to be exaggerated. The drug is usually produced, uh, well, the last two paragraphs are, are just about the narcotic of the female plant. You know, of course, we know now that that it's been bred out. The yeah, narcotic has been bred out of the if, plant. If so. they really, really, really wanted to stop uh, people from growing marijuana here in the United States, one of the best ways to do it, um, you know, is a lot of people grow outdoors, is to allow industrial hemp because the spread of the, um, you know, the seeds and the pollen and all that stuff would then uh, destroy. Contaminate the yeah, it would contaminate and destroy marijuana. the actual marijuana plants. Yeah, it, it, they don't want to stop marijuana. They want you know these these people that have the contracts, the foresters, the the chemical companies. They don't want hemp legalized. Yeah, there's no doubt about right. it. Hemp would be so useful, and of course, ending the uh, the war on drugs would be far uh, even more useful to our to to advancing freedom in our lifetime. So I'm with you, man, and thank you for the call tonight. Right. We appreciate uh, you. Uh, huh? Still I, there? I, I I do agree with the. Uh, I believe the. Uh, Responsible adults should be allowed to use marijuana. Same here. Absolutely. Similarly, similarly to alcohol and tobacco. Yeah. I think responsible. Thank you, I, thank you for thank you, sir. I think responsible adults should be allowed to do whatever the hell they damn well want to do with their own bodies, as long as they don't hurt somebody. Exactly. Don't you violate wanna, somebody else's property rights. You want to stick a needle in your arm and shoot yourself full of some heroin? Go right ahead. Have a good old time. I'm not going to put you in a jail cell for that. That's its own punishment, my friend. Getting a heroin addiction. That's all you need. Yeah, if you can turn it around before you end up croaking, then great. Good for you. It's your life. You should be able to ruin it or or make yourself feel as bad or as good as you want. It's your business. 1-800-259-9231. All right, we continue. Harvey and Kalispell listening on KGEZ. Hey, Harvey. That'd be me. I agree with you guys 100%. Wow, that's unusual, Harvey. You should have yourself checked. <laughs> Well, I did, and I still agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's on your mind tonight? My mind is this. You know, uh, I think Yogi Berra said it best when he said uh, deja vu all over again. What do you mean? Well, I'm talking about, uh, I get back to the States, and I'm watching this movie, and I see these DEA agents yeah. sucking down uh, tequilas and and uh, smoking cigars. Mm-hmm. The way I used to watch them down at Cartagena. The way what? Say again? Well, they make these uh, marijuana busts, and mm -hmm. then they pat themselves on the back when they're drinking and smoking the two biggest killers that's ever hit 
Well, this country, probably most. Oh, the irony the world, is, yeah. yeah, the irony is certainly not lost on me, no doubt about that. Okay, well, I just wanted to make sure you guys understood where I was coming from. Yeah. Well, I think we're in a situation here where I think it's going to uh, teeter-totter thing. What do you I mean? think it's going to go the other way. You think marijuana is going to be legal eventually and they're going to outlaw cigarettes or something? Well, they already are outlawed in, in reality. I mean, they cost $5 a pack. Well, they're getting more and more difficult to obtain, uh, more and more expensive, more difficult to use. Freedom's just another word for something you can't afford. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. It, see, it certainly seems like cigarettes are going in that direction. I don't see any concerted push to, to uh, really ban alcohol again, though. We had one of the chiefs of police here in New Hampshire essentially admit in front of uh, a committee uh, full of people, uh, essentially admit that he would support bringing back alcohol prohibition. So even though there's not a concerted push right now, that doesn't mean there aren't people out there that wouldn't jump up and be in support of that idea as bad as an awful of an idea as it is that there are people out there that think it would be world world's full of people that want to control your behavior. Yep, and they need to be you, stopped. Exactly. You can grow or distill anything you damn well please. That's right, and we will. Thank you for the call, Harvey. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Vince is on the line in Indianapolis, and we'll take your calls about anything you want to talk about. Plus, we're going to talk about alcohol here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy them on us. And they include the live streams, broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version, both free for you, at freetalklive.com. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 9th through the 15th at Porkfest. You'll be able to meet activists who are achieving success here in New Hampshire and listen to concerts, enjoy some barbecue, and socialize around the fire. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. All right, we go to your phone calls. By the way, Sam in Texas, uh, we talked to him earlier tonight. He's going to be at Porkfest. Mm -hmm. Also, Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com will probably be there. In fact, yep. he's waiting on the lines. We're going to get to him in a moment. But first, we've got to go to Vince in Indianapolis. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Vince. Vince and Indy. Going Hello, on. Mark and Ian. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Vince. Vince. What's on your mind? Hey, I wanted to try to explain something to you because it's my profession I'm in. But um, I wanted to, uh, you know, explain something to you guys that was probably started back about in the late 80s and early 90s and through the mid-90s was just these, these things called tort reforms Yeah. and uh, civil and um, criminal law reforms. Okay. You know, as far as the courts, and we sat down, and let me tell you something, there was a very few of us as lawyers and accountants and whatever, trying to tell people what was wrong with all these things and how that they were now reversing things and putting you in harm's way. Okay, how's that? You know, we, we, we give you an example of no insurance accidents. 
you know, where people are now being put in harm's way because, you know, the quote-unquote services being provided, but they don't go after the non-insured driver. Or, you know, let me give you another current example is identity theft, where you got to sign up for these outrageously expensive programs that, quote-unquote, would protect you against identity theft. But they, you know, if they're going to treat that as a crime, you're going to have to know who the perpetrator is. And a lot of times they won't give that to you. Really? They don't tell mm-hmm. you who the perpetrator is? That, that you've been, no. That you've been the victim of a perpetrator? Hmm. I mean, sure. I mean, if someone's stolen your identity and stolen, you know, several thousand dollars out of your bank account, or, you know, they've done a lot worse, you have to have some standing, you know, but, but see, in those agreements that you sign with those companies, they're going to send that to arbitration. They're not going to go through the criminal courts. Hmm. So I don't really understand where you're where you're coming at here. You're saying that someone that signs up well, with an identity protection company, if after they are if they are violated, if they're under contract to have their identity protected, then at that point it is something that will be taken up in arbitration. Taken up in arbitration, not through the criminal courts. You know, or going to the prosecutor and prosecuting the person. Well, I mean, you did sign their agreement, and you agreed to the arbitration in advance, right? So I don't see what's so objectionable about that. Well, the biggest problem is it's putting, what I'm trying to say is it's putting people like myself and yourself and people in this country in harm's way, because what they're doing with identity theft is saying that you should be responsible for that. Well, to some How extent, the, you, the only reason you would know about it is because you know someone's taking a lot of money out of your bank account. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, then that's when they. But you know, but if you go back to the financial institution where it's happened, they're not going to disclose the name. Well, yeah, I wow. understand what you're saying, but um, in, a, in a lot of ways, I, mean, I think Americans have been very lax in the the protection of their identities, and and uh, you know, if if you. This, if you limit the amount of banks that you deal with and limit the amount of people that you give this information, like your Social Security number to, and you hold on to it very dearly, banks would come up with other systems to open accounts. They wouldn't necessarily use your Social Security number. I think if they yeah, but they have to, to by uh, by pa- the, the Patriot Act, yep. as I understand it. If if people made it hard enough for banks to do that, then they would change that law. You mean like people not giving up their Social Security well, number? I was told this Social Security number was supposed to be used for um, the Social Security Administration. Yeah. I don't participate with um, in Social Security, so I don't give out my number. Thank you very much. Well, that would really require quite a sea change, Mark, for sure people would. to do something like that, because most people aren't going to, and so therefore the bank can just say, well, you don't want to give your number? Well, we don't have to give you an account. See you later. Yep, they don't. Unless you're standing there with, you know, a million dollars you want to deposit, they probably are just going to tell you to take a hike. Well, you know, if it's uh, 100, but, 100 people with $10,000, then well, you're right it's about the same that. thing. You're right. I mean, if, if enough people were to actually do that, then things could change. And maybe we'll see things like that happen up here in New Hampshire. And, you know, I, I, I share your frustration, Vince, and uh, thank you for bringing that up tonight. We appreciate your call at 800-259-9231. Uh, the the system we have right now, as far as protecting your identity, and I, I've heard there's some good companies out there that'll help you out. Oh, yeah. Like LifeLock. I've heard good things yep. about them. I don't know if they're any good. but I've talked to them about advertising. But we're trying uh, to get them on board. But, you know, people are tr- the marketplace is trying to pick up the slack for, uh, for all these holes that the government has uh, created that allow people to easily access your identifying information. So 
I don't really know what else to say besides that. You can uh, chime in if you'd like and comment at 800-259-9231. Just, you know, try not to use those numbers as often as possible. Many places that ask for your Social Security number do not need to be asking for it. they certainly don't. So if you make a habit out of refusing to give it, that's probably a good step. You know, the the gas company here, that uh, they deliver liquid propane. They wanted Mm -hmm. my Social Security number. They said, well, we have to have it in order to give you credit. No, you don't. You you have no other system for giving me gas without getting my social security number. Well, you could uh, pay ahead for the account. You could put a deposit in. We there you could go. Uh, put a credit card on file. Oh, but you just out of course asked me for my social security number. I mm-hmm. didn't say that part, but I, I you know I asked a question and I got another system. Uh, you know another system, and I didn't have to give up my social security number. Yep. I and try I, very hard not to. I agree with you, Mark. That if more people were to start doing that, things could change. Maybe we'll see that happen here in New Hampshire. Let's continue with your call. Speaking of New Hampshire, it's Dave in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave. Hey, guys. Hey, Dave from RidleyReport.com. We were talking about your event earlier tonight, uh, the Outlaw Puppeteering event. Actually, uh, take it, t- took place earlier today at the State House, and apparently you got away with it. Yep. I just wanted to call in, you know, have a first-person report. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was I was hoping to get arrested. I didn't want to get away with this. Really? Uh, but they really did. Uh, they did make every effort to ignore us, and they succeeded in ignoring so us. So did they even send any bureaucrats out, like the cops? Were they even around? Not really. Now, there was one case where I went sort of into the state house grounds to go talk to somebody, and I just happened to be carrying a flag over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And that brought one of the bureaucrats out, one of the state house police, to say, are you demonstrating? Uh, and this hmm. is all on tape. I guess John Connell shot it on tape. He goes, are you demonstrating? I'm like, well, yes. And he goes, well, do you have a permit? I said, well, no. And he and I said, I'm not going to get one, <laughs> and I intend no disrespect. You know, um, and uh, so he said, okay, and he just left. <laughs> but after that, <laughs> after that uh, I went to the area where we were going to demonstrate, and apparently that area is, like, not under his jurisdiction. Oh, that really? may have been why we didn't see him again. Huh. So you're going to move it next time? Because just for our listeners just tuning in, uh, here in New Hampshire, it's apparently illegal to perform a puppet show for profit, and you decided to do a puppet show for profit on the the grounds of the State House today, but now you're saying you might not have been close enough to the State House? Is that what you're getting at? We were considered to be on the right-of-way, which apparently is a huge right-of-way in that area. It's considered Concord City property, Mm -hmm. even though we were way far away from the... I mean, we were probably 50 yards away from the street almost, uh, that still was considered basically sort of like part of the street, and so the the, the guys inside the state house didn't consider that their jurisdiction, and hmm. that was pretty much where we said be. So I figured we needed to stay there. But yeah, next time we do it, we might do it in a more provocative location. <laughs> Move it a little closer to the front door. Come or and something. get us, coppers. We're a bunch of <laughs> mad puppeteers. Before you know it, he'll be doing it in the lobby of the state yeah, house. Yeah, anything's possible. And some folks want to do it on the steps and stuff like that. But as long as we're out of the way, you yeah. know, I'm content doing it more and more different, you know, locations. Right. It's really not fair to get right in the, you know, no, do, to do the show right in front of their doors. No, that makes sense. That you get you. That's, I think you're being completely reasonable about this, and I love how you're promoting that you're going to keep doing them until you've made $1,000 in profit. And I'm wondering what your take was for today, Dave. If you'll hang on, we're going to bring you back right. and discuss this a little more. 800-259-9231. Dave from RidleyReport.com uh, will tell us more about his outlaw puppeteering event today. And he apparently wanted to get arrested, but he didn't. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. 
It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We go back to Dave in New Hampshire. You're back on Free Talk Live. Uh, Dave from RidleyReport.com, one of the most active, I think, of activists, certainly one of the most visible ones here in New Hampshire, an early mover for the Free State Project. Uh, You went out today around noon to the State House and performed an illegal puppet show. That's right. Uh, for those just tuning in, puppet shows for profit in in New Hampshire without a permit are illegal. And you actually expected to be arrested today. I predicted that you would not be arrested because uh, we were not arrested in our civil disobedience involving gambling in public uh, about two weeks ago. And so I figured if they're going to ignore gambling, they're certainly going to ignore a puppet show. And it turns out they did ignore you today, Dave. Dave, are you still there? I was just hoping to. You were hoping to get arrested. Gotcha. Yeah, and but, uh, yeah. Once I got to the point where we were a couple days, you know, one or two days away from it, and no bureaucrats had called, I probably I figured that ah, they're not there. Did you expect to hear from them? They were, you know, did you expect them to call and threaten you and try to get you to back down? Yeah, all the. I mean, every time we've had a civil disobedience arrest, you know, where you know the event has been announced in advance. Almost always they'll call, you know, or they'll come visit you or something like mm-hmm. that and say, hey, just want to remind you that this is the penalty, yada, 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 try and talk you out of it. Uh, but they, they weren't doing that this time, so that's why I figured I wouldn't get arrested. Now, th- doesn't it they, – they arrested the outlaw manicurist, isn't that correct? That's correct. Now, uh, d- d- don't you think that they, maybe they've changed, like, sort of their tactic – Instead of arresting these people that are clearly doing silly and un- inconsequential things um, that we, we've made a, uh, illegal, that people should be able to do, um, I think we should just ignore them. And maybe they'll yeah. go away. And that's the track that the, uh, like if you've ever seen the movie Gandhi, that's sort of the track that things took. The first time Gandhi went and did something, they beat the snot out of him yeah. uh, you know, for trying to burn his identity papers. And then, you know, years later where he's like, hey, I'm going to march to the sea and make illegal salt. Well, they said, oh, let him, you know, let him march. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not going to destroy the British Empire by making salt. Well, after a while, there's like hundreds of thousands of people out there making their own salt because they get away with it, and then they had to fill the jails up. So we're kind of in that, we're in that sort of second step maybe where they're trying the ignoring part, but that's not going to work either. I was, uh, earlier in the show tonight, I had suggested that, you know, we're definitely in the, uh, the they-are-ignoring-us stage, I think, at this point. And the old quote from Gandhi, I think, was they first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. I'm thinking, and I'd like your your thoughts on this, Dave, is it possible we could just skip over the uh, the fight you phase? I mean, after all, as Mark said earlier, it's just an old quote. So perhaps they'll just ignore us and then laugh and then we'll win. Maybe we could just skip the fighting part. Well, we've, been, we've already been through the fighting part. You know, we've had, what, 13, maybe 15 arrests, uh, you know, of free staters since they started moving here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think maybe the authorities realize, oh, well, when we arrest them, they just get stronger, you know. So they, they, it may be better for them if they're not doing it. So it's conceivable we're sort of maybe entering some of the win phase right now after having gone through all the other phases. Very interesting. So you're saying maybe it's gone in reverse? We'll basically? have to leave it to the historians to figure that part yeah, out. Yeah, I guess you're right about that. I just find this absolutely fascinating. You're going to go ahead and push the envelope again. You're going to move your uh, protest a little closer to the State House. You're going to continue doing puppet shows until you've reached $1,000 in profit. What was your take today, by the way, if you don't mind revealing? 
$55. Not too shabby. How long was uh how long were you out there? Oh, just about an hour. Hey, 55 bucks for an hour's worth of time? I hope you paid the puppet makers. Oh, I should. That's a good idea. Yeah. I've, paid, I've paid them with free publicity, but yeah, they they need they need something for the puppets. I certainly did waive their um uh, the admission fee, though, that's well, for sure. That's good. Now, the, the puppets were, by the way, made by a, a few homeschooling kids from uh, from yep. the area. And uh, Kelly Halderson, actually, she called the show here recently. She's actually one of our newest amplifiers. I haven't uh, signed her up for that yet, but she's going to get processed uh, over the weekend, as most of our amplifiers are processed over the weekend. So it's good to have her on board. But if you were to pay the puppet uh, the puppet makers, would that make, a, make them accomplices to your illegal action? I don't know, but they've already put a video of themselves up on YouTube claiming to be accomplices. Hmm. I think that should be drawn to the attention of the police and see. Maybe they'll make a move against them. Who knows? Yeah. Seems unlikely. Oh, by the way, I am editing a report of my own on com right now, and that will link to all the other videos that I'm aware of. There's a lot of videos shot today of this event. Ah, fantastic. And that's something else we're seeing happen, uh, Dave, is that more and more people with video cameras are showing up to these activism events. There's so much pro-liberty stuff going on in New Hampshire on video that I can't watch it all. Yeah, that's a great problem to have, and that's going to, I think that may be one of the other factors that helps us. Is that happening in your state? Hmm. Probably not. <laughs> I think that all those video cameras around, plus combined with all of this great activism, is going to be one of the things that, that really helps this movement grow so quickly that they won't be able to do anything about it, that they're going to have to keep ignoring us, and that's all they're going to be able to do is ignore us. I mean, we're going to essentially create our own voluntary society and invite people to join us to, as I've been saying, withdraw from the coercive society and join the voluntary society. Someone accused me after I withdrew from the... Uh, after I. Uh, revoked my membership in the Libertarian Party earlier this week, uh, somebody accused me of, uh, you know, trying to change their society. And uh, no, I, I'm not trying to change your society. You can have your involuntary society. You can have your coercive society. If you want to live under coercion and slavery, then okay, that's your choice. Everybody wants to change society. I, I I think that that, that that's a it's, it's a straw man argument. I mean, uh, but I don't. I just want to create my own society. Right, well, yeah. I don't want to change yours. You can have your society. The reason you left is because you don't like theirs. Yeah. So I mean, I, I I see what you're saying, but the vast majority of people, I don't know, I don't know whether I can uh, entirely agree with what you're saying, but the vast majority of people want to change society. They want to change the way the world mm-hmm. is for them. A more effective wanna, way is to withdraw. We want to be as non-threatening as we possibly can at as many levels as we can. You know what? We don't want to threaten people's society or their, you know, the way that they do their life. Or I would prefer not to even have to, you know, do anything that indirectly threatens people's jobs. I guess we sort of can't help that in a way. But um, if people are working for the government, I just don't want them. I don't want them to feel like they're going to suffer if we win. Yeah, that's a good point. Makes sense. That's that's why I like the approach of just letting the bureaucrats have their uh, bureaucracies and uh, let them you know take ownership essentially of their bureaucracy. That way, at least they'll have some assets they can sell off, or they can possibly maybe turn into a profitable business someday. Uh, Dave, congratulations on your uh, your experiment today, and much future success to the things that you're doing. And once again, go see his report tonight. It's going to be up tonight, right, Dave? 
Yeah, it should be up in half an hour. All right, go to RidleyReport.com, and uh, thank you for the call tonight, sir. 800, hey, guys. Yep, 800-259-9231. He's got to be one of the most courageous activists we have on the ground here in New Hampshire. Hands down. Hands and, down. You know, what's really great is he's done, um, like we have, is he's managed to turn activism into profit. Mm-hmm. He is living on RidleyReport.com, the advertising that comes from there. Now, he's a man of, uh, uh, you know, he, he can live on very little. He's a frugal, thrifty individual, and he can live on very little. And but for him, he's it's, he's doing enough. He's doing what he wants in his life. Yeah, you're never going to be the richest guy on the planet. So going to trying to be the rich guy is a failing proposition because there's always somebody out there with more money than you. Even old Bill Gates is no longer the richest. You might as well do what you want to do. And if what you want to do is bring liberty, I'm passionate about that. Let's but continue. As long as you have a comfortable life and you're happy. A little bit of time left for Matt in Washington. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Matt. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, I just wanted to talk to you guys about uh, Bernanke cutting the, the interest rate on the dollar to two percent today. Okay, what's that mean? Um, it means that you know the inflation that we've had already is is nothing compared to what's up, and I'm I don't know. It's just less and less and less uh, trust in the federal government altogether. I'm actually about to move to New Hampshire really uh, in a few months. And join you guys. Are you a Free State Project member? Um, no, I actually am about to go sign up for it. Oh, um, excellent! I uh, I convinced the guy to go with me too, so I'm, I'm bringing a roommate. Excellent! Along. You, do you know how hard it, uh, sign so him many, up too? So many people have so di- such a difficult time getting people to uh, sign up for the Free State Project, and there. Oh, no, yeah, we actually checked Pork Manor a couple days ago. It, uh, it's pretty cool. It, it helps a lot for people that are uh, trying to move over there. Porkmanor.com? Yeah, P-O-R-C-M-A-N-O-R.com. And so. you heard about oh, that yeah, from Free cool. Talk Live, I right? I recommend everybody checking out. And you you heard about that from Free Talk Live? Yeah, yeah, I heard it on your show a couple of days ago. I cool. actually just started listening not too long ago, and I absolutely love your guys' show. So wait, you you started listening recently, and this is like you first hear, heard about the Free State Project from us? Um, no, I actually uh, met somebody who's a Free State Project member um, out where I live here, and he's uh, planning to move in a couple months too. Oh, fantastic! Well, congratulations. Yeah, I'm actually a Floridian, a native Floridian. I uh, live in Washington State now, but I ah. grew up in Fort Lauderdale, so I can I can tell everybody who has doubts about moving to the cold. Uh, you get used to it. Yep. It's it's not bad. I mean, it's it's great having seasons. You know, yeah. growing up in Florida, and we d- just kind of have don't a year like it, summer. Don't, if you don't like it, don't stand out in it. You don't have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I would I would actually rather be cold. You can always put more clothes on than hot and humid. You can't really do too much. About no that. doubt about it. That's exciting, man. So you're going to be up here in time for Pork Fest. Um, I'm trying to make it out for Port Best. I'm actually trying to move in about November. Either way, we look forward to seeing you, and thank you for the call tonight. We're done. It's been Ian here with you. And Mark. Back tomorrow. Join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The cynic says, I started losing my hair, and there was nothing I could do. I wore a baseball cap because I was self-conscious. The believer says, I started using Avacor two months ago, and already I'm regrowing my own hair. My bald spot is going. No caps for me. Are you a cynic? Avacor's formula is FDA-approved to regrow your own hair in as little as two months. Avacor's topical formula contains the only ingredient approved by the FDA to regrow hair without risk of sexual side effect. Call right now and ask about getting a free month supply of Avacor and receive Boost just for trying Avacor. Boost can make your hair visibly thicker with its first application. Call 1-800-451-8920. That's 1-800-451-8920. This is a limited time offer, so call now. Call 1-800-451-8920. 1-800-451-8920. Or log on to avacorradio.com.